The Rural Radio Network gets on the air with a program we call Midday and an opportunity for you to get up to date on everything you need to know from the world's news and sports and weather and particularly agriculture. And we've got some of the best and information that you need to know as we head into this holiday. And kind of uh, ruminating here over some holidays past that haven't been so pleasant, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about those. No, 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 what not on we, the air. What we will talk about probably eventually here is uh, a pretty drastic change in the weather picture, and that will be coming up a little bit later here on your rural radio network station. Right now we have... Susan Littlefield with our ag headlines today. You know what that means, though? It means frozen hose lines. Just, yeah. just putting that out in your mind. It means that. Coming up at 1219, we'll check in. Dewey Will with the folks at Water Street Solutions. Uh, Glenn McClure is joining the Nebraska Extension. Shaley Peters will have more details on that at 1245. And going on right now is the Corn and Soybean Growers Annual Meeting in Grand Island. And we have Bryce Duskett there. He caught up with two students that are collegiate ambassadors in the program there, and both corn and soybeans. So he talks to those two students about their involvement at 117. All right. Look forward to all of that. And uh, Susan will take her leave, get ready to go talk a little bit of market information for just a second. And we uh, bring in Jason Jorgensen to speak of sports. There's a little bit of everything to talk about. Good enough. Bowl game tonight. Mm-hmm. Want to watch the Frisco Bowl? being played down in the Dallas area now. If you're keeping track at home, I know you probably are. Oh, oh, yes. The Frisco Bowl is the former Miami Beach Bowl, which was moved from Florida to Texas after being played the past three years at Marlins Park in Miami. I see. So they are playing this in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. This game is being played in a soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. So uh, SMU plays Louisiana Tech. <laughs> if you have that one first up in your bowl sheet, you know... I'm surprised there's not one called the half the half full half empty bowl. Yep, or we're we're still cranking them out bowl. Boy, are we not? A lot of bowl games. Also, we'll talk some Nebraska women's basketball. Lady Huskers have played well of late. Uh, they will be back in action tonight as they will take on Florida Atlantic. Also, it's the uh, hot stove time of the year in baseball. Yeah, there's not been a ton of major deals done. I haven't heard a lot about it lately. I mean, there's been a few, a trade here or there. Mm -hmm. Sounds like the Cubs, who are looking to improve their pitching situation, they've been kicking things around with Hugh Darvish. And, of course, he ended last year with the Dodgers after they had traded for him. So we'll touch on that coming up in sports. Also, Kobe Bryant last night with the Lakers not only had one jersey retired, but two jerseys retired, both of the numbers he wore for the team. Wow. That's a little unusual. Yeah, it is. I'd they forgotten the, he wore two different gonna, numbers. They're going to run out of numbers if they're not careful. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's Bob Brogan over here on the business desk. Stocks are lower in midday trading as investors are waiting on Congress to start voting on the uh, Republican tax bill. And uh, in kind of an understatement, uh, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders called it a huge deal for America. So... Kind of an understatement there. Audi is recalling 52,000 luxury cars. And also construction of new homes increased a little bit in November. So those are some stories topping the news right now. We'll have all the market numbers for you as well. Stand by. It's information galore coming up for you here in the next several hours on Midday. 
Let's get your ag weather now. Here's Paul Perkins brought to you by Coolman Repair. And uh, got a couple of nice days and then all heck breaks loose. Yeah, better enjoy the next couple of days, especially if you've got some outdoor things that need to get done. You may want to do them in the comfort of the weather that we have for today and tomorrow. All right. Well, we'll look forward to uh, the next 48 hours. After that, not so much. Exactly. And it's going to stick around for a while. Right now, those temperatures mostly in the low and mid-40s across the area. We still have some 30s, though, as you head towards north-central and northwestern portions of Nebraska, including as low as 31 right now. And Alliance will be slightly cooler today, but still about 10 to 15 degrees warmer than what we usually get for this time of year. A weak cold front dropping in from the northeast, helping in that slight cool down for today. Temperatures tomorrow warmer across west central and west Nebraska into western Kansas. That front that's dropping through today is a cold front moves back to the east as a warm front, but that warmer air won't make it into central and eastern areas quite uh, very far for tomorrow. A strong cold front and low pressure bringing that drastic change on Thursday for our first day of winter. Right near that front, drizzle will develop, especially across eastern areas. Temperatures will drop and that drizzle will switch over to freezing drizzle. Ice accumulation should be relatively light, but could be just enough for some slick roads, especially when people aren't used to it right now. That drizzle will change to snow from northwest to southeast in the late morning into the afternoon. Snow should continue into the evening before it comes to an end in the overnight. Not expecting much in the way of accumulation. Snow accumulation should be about a half an inch to the north of I-80, an inch or a bit more as possible the farther north you go. There is a small chance for some snow Friday night into Saturday with another area of low pressure, but right now the forecast bundle is keeping a lot of that moisture farther to the south. The cold northwest flow of air likely to last through most or all of next week, and that is reflected in our long-term forecast. Chances remain good. Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly the entire nation will see colder-than-normal temperatures Christmas Eve day all the way through New Year's Day. The latest forecast indicates a mild, milder air will begin to build from the southwest by early next month, but it's going to be a while before we see a recovery in those temperatures. Near normal to below normal precipitation is the prediction for Nebraska and Kansas Christmas Eve day through New Year's Day. The latest outlook does show above normal precipitation over southwest Kansas early next week, which is a bit farther south than the outlook yesterday when it did include portions of southwest Nebraska. Weather factors market traders are considering include scattered rain in Argentina and mostly favorable conditions in Brazil. Here in the U.S., dramatically colder air will be in place nearly nationwide by the end of the week. Two rounds of rain will accompany the transition to colder weather from eastern Texas to the southern Appalachians. Snow will spread east across the nation's northern tier. Could result in some locally significant accumulations. Little or no precipitation expected the next five days across the southern half of the high plains. There continues to be concerns in wheat areas of the southern plains. The rapid change to colder air will cause potential stress. Wheat areas from the Ohio Valley to the Delta, though, will benefit from rain recharging the soil moisture. Scattered rain in eastern Argentina crop areas will benefit the crop conditions and the prospects this next week. Western areas do need better rainfall. Crop conditions and prospects favorable in central Brazil, where consistent showers are expected to continue through next week. In southern Brazil, the heat and dryness are stressing the row crops. Some rain and milder weather, though, is forecast later on this week. All right. Well, I guess that's uh, what... uh... (laughs) 
That's what they say. There's not much we can do to fight City Hall on this one, is it? Yeah, Mother Nature's got her mind made up, I think, on I this one. <laughs> Canada's been hoarding all the cold weather, and uh, now you see what happens. We get the chilling effect. Here you go. Yep, that's what happens. So uh, We do want to remind you that you can get uh, all of this great news <laughs> when you have the KRVM app in your pocket. It's on your smartphone, powered by Harkle Road Motors. It's good on either your Apple your iPhone, or your Droid, and you can pick it up wherever you get free apps. And when you need weather anytime, you can see it at krvn.com. We vulnerable to freeze damage. I'm Shaylee Peters with a midday check of your ag news here on the Rural Radio Network. A combination of delays to autumn planting and dry conditions in the southern U.S. plains have left the hardbred winter wheat crop vulnerable to freeze damage, crop experts said, which could further tighten supplies of high-protein wheat. A cold spell is forecast for later in December, and any freeze in coming months could pose an outsized threat to supply, given there is already a shortage of high-protein wheat. U.S. data in January is expected to show farmers have planted even less winter wheat than a year ago when U.S. acreage fell to the lowest level since 1909. Global supplies of lower quality wheat are in abundance, but higher protein wheat is tight. Low protein levels in the last two U.S. hard red winter wheat harvests have sent millers and bakers scrambling to find enough supplies of top quality grain. We still got a lot of very small wheat, and we are not where we'd like to be at this point as far as plant development goes, said Mark Hodges of Plains Grains, a wheat industry group based in Oklahoma. I'm not saying the sky is falling, but we could lose some plants, Hodges said. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is scheduled to issue its first estimate of winter wheat plantings for the 2018 harvest in January. And Nebraska custom operators are invited to take part in the 2018 Nebraska Farm Custom Rate Survey when it is available in early 2018. Every other year, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Department of Agricultural Economics surveys farmers and ranchers regarding rates they charge for custom operations. Glennis McClure, who has recently joined the Agricultural Department of Economics as a farm and ranch management analyst, talks about the importance of the survey and what it's used for. That is one of the most um, you know, highly demanded, I guess, pieces of information that the extension offices across the state, I guess, offer to the clients that, that walk in. Farmers and ranchers are you know, interested in that information. So it's important to survey folks that are out you know, across Nebraska now doing custom work and machine operations for others in their areas. And, uh, you know, of course, some folks are neighbors and, and uh, you know, they're doing, let's say they might plant, you know, um, a few acres or they might, you know, do um, planting for many in their area. And so the question always is, what do they charge? What's a fair price for what they charge and so on? So by surveying folks across the um, with that information, we get a pretty good idea of what the going rates are. For more information, you can contact McClure or visit farm.unl.edu forward slash custom rates. And the Ohio-based burger chain Wendy's will reduce antibiotic use in its beef supply chain. The announcement follows similar measures the fast food restaurant chain took in its poultry supply chain. Starting next year, Wendy's will source about 15% of its beef from producers that have committed to a 20% reduction of the only medically important antibiotic product routinely fed to cattle sourced to Wendy's. Wendy's noted in the report that it has completed the process of eliminating all antibiotics important to human medicine from chicken production. 
something the company pledged to do last year. Wendy's latest move comes a little more than a week after the Food and Drug Administration released a report noting that U.S. sales and distribution of antibiotics approved for use in food animals fell 10% in 2016. And the next Huerman lecture is set for January 9th, 2018 and will feature Donnie Smith, former chief executive officer with Tyson Foods Incorporated. He will be talking about the war of the words. More on that can be found at ruralradio.com with a quick check of your midday ag news. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Time to get ready for lender meetings. That's our topic with Jason Ladman, Director, Water Street Solutions. So, Jason, what do we need to do before meeting with our banker? Well, you know, we're moving out of that fast-paced growing season. We've moved into harvest season, and then we come into the winter months of book reconciliation, planning, meetings, holidays, and all of that can be uh, an abrupt transition. You know, and it can happen fast, too. And moving from the immediate day-to-day operational needs into more planning-oriented winter months can be tough. And I know for some guys, this can be a welcome time if you feel you need a breather from all the activity of the past nine months. But it also means switching gears into what I call the planning mode. And one of the most important things you can do as part of this planning is to get ready to meet with your banker. Now, hopefully you've been keeping your lender updated throughout harvest and the entire growing season, for that matter, because keeping that open line of communication makes a big difference when it comes to the next step of meeting with them to renew your operating note. And as you prepare, one tip I would give is to take some time to theoretically step into your banker's shoes. Now, this preparation can help you anticipate how they're thinking, so the types of thoughts questions and concerns they might have based on the numbers that you're going to be presenting. When you consider that ahead of time, you have the opportunity to better prepare, which then makes you look more competent in the eyes of the lender. So what else should we be thinking about? Well, you want to take time to get clear on your plans for 2018 and beyond. Bankers want to work with farmers who are looking ahead and have a vision for the future of their operation. Now, these farmers know where they want to go and are developing concrete plans for how they'll get there. If you haven't done very much of this future planning before, you might start working with a farm business advisor. And an advisor like this can help guide discussions with you and perhaps other farm stakeholders about what you want that future of the farm to look like, as well as setting plans in place to reach those goals. And this planning shows your banker that you take your farm business serious and you are actively working towards some type of future vision. Bankers also need you to speak their language You need to know and understand the financial terminology they use and be able to have a discussion with them using those terms. Speaking their financial language shows, again, that you take your business seriously and that you're a smart and savvy manager. Jason, I'm sure there's more that we should keep in mind, right? Yeah, have a detailed financial plan and projections for 18 and make sure you're able to clearly communicate about it with the banker. They want to see that you're aware of any potential financial issues within your operation, and they need to hear about the actions you're going to take to prevent loss and address any financial gaps in your operation that may have occurred from this past cropping year. And as you prepare for developing this type of information, remember that only you can tell your story of how and why the year turned out, as well as how you expect the next year to look and what changes you're going to be making specifically. And remember this, your individual loan officer is many times only one of multiple people that will examine your account, and your lender needs to have the ammunition to take your loan to committee with conviction that you are creditworthy. And putting this all together can help demonstrate your competency as a business manager. Now, as you move into the winter meeting and office season, 
how will you prepare for meetings with your lender? How will you anticipate and work through any concerns they may have about your upcoming crop year? And do you have a financial acumen to speak the language and tell your story? And as you put your harvesters away, ask yourself what you will need to prepare for these important meetings and begin preparing mentally for the next phase of the seasonal cycle. If you have any more questions about this or any other topic, go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. Today, our topic was Get Ready for Lender Meetings with Jason Ladman, Director, Water Street Solutions. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network and our chance to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the bowl season continues tonight near Dallas as 7-5 and five SMU plays 6-6 six and six Louisiana Tech. SMU is playing in its first bowl game in five seasons with new coach Sonny Dykes leading the team just a week after being hired to replace Chad Morris, who left for Arkansas. And Dykes will be facing his former team. He coached Louisiana Tech for three years before going to Cal. The game will also be played about 30 miles from the SMU campus at the professional soccer stadium that is hosting its first bowl game and is also the site of the FCS championship game next month. The Nebraska women's basketball team returns home for the holidays after a perfect 3-0 road trip to take on Florida Atlantic. The Huskers are coming up a big win at San Jose State on Sunday afternoon. They cruised in that one, and they also went through road non-conference play going 3-0. It marked the first time since the 2009-2010 season that the Huskers went unbeaten in regular season non-conference true road action, and just the fourth time NU has accomplished that feat in school history. Nebraska's also won four in a row for the first time since the end of the 2013-14 campaign. Tonight's game starts at 7 in Lincoln. UNK men's basketball team begins a holiday break with a home game tonight against arch-rival Hastings College. The Lopers won't play again until early January. This is the 193rd all-time meeting between the Lopers and Broncos, and head coach Kevin Lofton breaks down this series. Talk about playing each other. It seems like a great idea, but then when the game gets here, you're like, why did I do that? But, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, I think the fans like it. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a way to test ourselves going into the break. It's not a game where you can just show up and play. I mean, you better be playing at a high level. Or you're going to get beat. Per NAIA rules, this is an exhibition game for the Broncos. Last November, they upset the Lopers at the Health and Sports Center. Tip-off tonight is set for seven in Carney, and the Wayne State men's and women's teams will battle Augustana tonight on the road. The Creighton volleyball team finished 16th in the final ABCA rankings. It's the fourth time the Blue Jays have finished in the top 25. They went. 26-7 and seven this year, reaching the second round of the NCAA tournament. Of course, Nebraska finished the year number one. And senior Luis Alvarado garnered preseason All-American accolades as a second-team selection from collegiate baseball. Alvarado, the native of Puerto Rico, is one of five relief pitchers on collegiate baseball's second team. The right-hander made 16 appearances out of the bullpen last year after not pitching in each of his first two years in Lincoln. He had 10 saves for the Huskers. He also hit 283 in 57 games as a positional player. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Partly cloudy skies tonight in Nebraska with overnight lows from the mid to upper 20s. I'm Dave Schroeder. A Nebraska commission that approved a route for the Keystone XL pipeline through the state is declining requests to amend its decision. Today, the Nebraska Public Service Commission denied motions by pipeline developer TransCanada and leading opponents of the project. The decision to approve a route through the state is expected to be appealed in court. 
Opponents have said the commission overstepped its jurisdiction and denied due process to affected landowners when it approved a different route than what TransCanada had preferred. They say the alternative pathway will affect landowners who weren't along the company's preferred route and didn't have a chance to speak against it. TransCanada had asked the commission to let it file an amended application to thwart an appeal on those grounds. With the holiday season upon us, there's also an increase in dangers around the house or with some Christmas gifts as well. Tracy Detlifts, the Trauma Outreach Coordinator for CHI Health Good Samaritan in Kearney, warns us about those dangers and how to avoid them. With toys, we want to watch for the appropriate age of the toy, making sure that we don't have small pieces that could become choking hazards for young children. With your plants around the house, especially this time of year, for kids and pets, we need to watch out for things like mistletoe berries, holly berries, poinsettias, and Jerusalem cherries. Those could be poisonous, so make sure you have that emergency poison center number available. If you're giving anything on wheels, make sure you include helmets. Set a no-helmet, no-ride policy for kids getting bikes, scooters, skateboards, things like that, and be a good example to kids. That lifts encourages everyone to carefully examine any toy before a child is allowed to play with it and to constantly wash your hands throughout the holiday season. Federal investigators say they don't yet know why an Amtrak train was traveling 50 miles per hour over the speed limit when it derailed Monday south of Seattle, Washington. At least three people died as cars from the train spilled onto the highway below. The speed limit on the curve where the accident took place is 30 miles per hour, but investigators say the train's data recorder showed it was traveling at 80 miles per hour. The train was the first to provide passenger service along a new route. A South Hutchinson, Kansas woman who posted comments on Facebook falsely accusing a teacher of being a child predator has been convicted of harassment. A magistrate judge in Reno County, Kansas convicted 39-year-old Melissa Watkins Monday of four misdemeanors. The teacher targeted in the post was providing foster care for Watkins' teenage son. Our app is a perfect companion to your phone. Download it free in the App Store or Google Play. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Nebraska Extension has gained a new educator. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and our guest today is Glennis McClure. She has just joined the Department of Agricultural Economics in the sector of farm and ranch management analytics. And, Glennis, you've been in this role here for just a couple of weeks now, so talk to us about, first off, what exactly you'll be doing in this new position and maybe some of the things you're looking forward to. Well, thanks, Julie. Um, yes, I just started a couple weeks ago in the Department of Agricultural Economics here at the University in Lincoln. And um, again, farm and ranch management analytics. I'm an extension educator, so I'm glad to be a part of that um, vast network of folks, you know, in the state. Um, so what I, I'm filling a position that was held previously by Roger Wilson. And, I um, you know, he's retired, and he's also already been a great resource for me as we prepare to work on uh, the custom rate survey that goes out across the state. It is, um, you know, it's something that we do every other year, and so now's the time to update that. And then, um, you know, so we can talk a little bit more about that, but also the crop and livestock budgets um, that are done on an ongoing basis. Um, that's also going to be part of my purview here. 
Now, you've got a pretty extensive agricultural background, but one that includes a lot of Nebraska, right? Yes. Well, I am. A, I had my bachelor's degree um, back a number of years ago, actually, in, in agricultural economics. And right out of college, I, I know I worked for USDA on a temporary appointment, but then worked with the Farm Business Association, um, which is based in Lincoln. At that time, it was um, part of Extension. So I have worked with Extension in my past. And then I worked with a number of farmers in the southeast Nebraska area and worked on crop and livestock enterprise analysis and also whole farm analysis along with doing tax management and that type of thing. So this really brings me back to um, some of the things I started with early in my career and um, you know I'm really glad I guess to be back in this realm working with um, the Ag Economics Department and, and the things that we'll be doing with budgets and, and, um, and rates and so on that could be helpful to folks. You also mentioned earlier on that custom rates survey. Talk to us a little bit more about that. You know, I think a lot of what you are jumping into right now will have to do with that. So give us some more information there, Glennis. Well, um, with the, the custom rate survey, that is one of the most, um, you know, highly demanded, I guess, pieces of information that the extension offices across the state um, do, um, you know, I guess offered to the clients that that walk in, farmers and ranchers are you know interested in that information. So it's important to to um, survey folks that are out, you know, across Nebraska now doing custom work and machine operations for others in their areas. And uh, you know, of course, some folks are neighbors and and uh, you know they're doing. Let's say they might plant, you know, um, a few acres, or they might you know do um, planting for many in their area. And so the question always is, what do they charge? What's a fair price for what they charge and so on? So by surveying folks across the state um, with that information, we get a pretty good idea of what the going rates are. And so again, I've had a number, we've been asking our extension folks um, here to update the list because we have a list uh, from just about every county of folks that do have, in the past anyway, done those kinds of operations and so we're updating the list of folks that will be receiving the survey after the first of the year. And um, um, it's broken into two parts. So one is a spring operation survey and, and the other is fall operations. And so they'll get two pieces, two surveys basically in one that we'd like for them to complete. And then that data comes in and it is analyzed, um, you know, and um, we publish that information. And again, the extension offices say, this is really valuable information and I can understand why. Um, because, you know, again, you want to be in the ballpark if you're charging for the services that you provide. Um, and so, um, you know, this is one of those things that folks seek out. So I'm glad to do it. But it's the, the surveys are pretty, ex you know, they're easy to do, but they're pretty extensive as far as um, all the different operations that are offered out there. Uh, anywhere from folks that cut cedar trees for others to planting, tillage, um, you know, harvesting, of course, the fall survey is very focused on the harvest aspects. Um, so, you know, again, we want folks to be, um, I guess, willing to participate in that survey and fill it out and send it back in. If folks are interested in participating in the custom rate survey, we do have 
it available online um, to go in and add your name so that you can receive the survey. And it's a simple website. If you can jot down farm.unl.edu forward slash custom rates. So that's farm.unl.edu forward slash custom rates. And you can see the uh, surveys from 2016 or the, the uh, reports, uh, custom rates guide reports right there. And then there's a place to add your name and address and your email so that we can be in touch and get that survey to you after the first year. All right. Thanks so much. Our guest today, Glennis McClure, she is joining Nebraska Extension as an educator for their farm and ranch management analytics side. And she will be part of the Nebraska Department of Agricultural Economics as well. So thank you, Glennis, for your time today. More information on her can be found at RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Rural Radio Network. We're going to take a look at these livestock trade with Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon. Well, trading in livestock futures back and forth uh, again in the cattle and ending up uh, lower on the day. Uh, a little disappointing uh, for the uh, bulls. They uh, attempted to uh, get the market higher, but uh, did not uh, work out that way. The only one to close higher was the Dece by two cents. So one pick up for the Dece and then the rest uh, a little bit lower. Feeders uh, triple-digit losses there. Um, so uh, I'd say a disappointing day. Uh, with the cutouts up last night and up again at noon, just slightly, uh, uh, just didn't pan out uh, today. Haven't heard of any cash trade uh, so far. Expectations have been running high that we would see uh, at least steady to higher uh, prices, but uh, have not heard any uh, activity there. Um, so uh, kind of a disappointing day. Uh, and especially over in the feeders with those triple-digit losses. Uh, uh, some might point to the corn, but gosh, it's only up about a half a cent, and that's not really a, a commanding uh, idea there. Over in the hogs, a uh, little lower there, too. Once again, uh, cash seemed to be steady to weak. Uh, cutouts were back up just a little bit uh, at noon. But not enough to uh, hold the market. We're uh, carrying the premium now with the February contract to the index, which it continues to fall. That uh, selling in the market. Thanks so much, Joel Teal. Join us of Great Plains Commodities on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back now on the Rural Radio Network. Bryce Duskia joining you. We're here at the uh, Corn Growers and Soybean Growers Annual Meeting. I've got two gentlemen with me now that are both part of the Corn and Soy Flagship Program. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves as well as tell us about your agriculture background. My name is Spencer Ark. I'm from Wood River, Nebraska. I come from a family farm and hope to return to it someday. Very good. Spencer? I'm James McCarter, and I come from Grant, Nebraska, Grant, Nebraska, and come from a farm background as well, and hope to return there. Got kind of uh, two different parts of the stage, one from Wood River, one from Grant, yet a little bit more of a drive there. Uh, let's talk about this program. So, uh, Spencer, let's have you dive into how did you hear about this program and give us some more background of it as well. Well, my dad being a big part of the Buffalo Hall County Corn Growers, he introduced me to it as well as John Willoughby, and 
I just thought it was a great opportunity to maybe lower cost of going to Lincoln and gave it a shot. So it's a scholarship program, which obviously you just mentioned could help offset some of those costs of going to the university. Now, do you have to go to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln? And uh, tell us more of the details about the specifics of what you do. Um, yeah, you, it's anywhere in state. As far, um, you can't go out of state. So that's that's the big big part. Um, as far, but most of most of them do go to just UNL. So, tell us what this looks like. You're you're an ambassador as well. Uh, what does that look like on campus? Um, it's. I mean, it's one of the, it's it's a thing people kind of look up to. You definitely can uh, notice, especially um, me on at UNL on East Campus. Um, a lot of people they they take account of um, the work that you're doing and uh, the good reputation that you're trying to build. Now, James and Spencer, you both had the opportunity to address the crowds here and talk about some of your. Uh, you just wrapped up your first semester on campus. You're both freshmen at the university. Tell us uh, kind of what you shared with them. What's your reflection as you come off of your first semester at the university? Well, like I said, I got to join the Alpha Gamma Rho fraternity, and it's a great, met a great bunch of guys, and it'll help me later on in life. And I really enjoyed my classes, and it's really reassured me that I want to keep doing this for my next three and a half years, and it'll lead me to what I want to do later in life, which involves agriculture. James, how about yourself? Um, yeah, I also, like uh, Spencer said, I was able to join the Alpha Gamma Rho fraternity, and uh, um, just a great bunch of guys, all from the same background. It's kind of nice. You don't really need to explain yourself. Um, but uh, in college, it showed that that time that they talk about, yeah, it's there, but it's better that you use it versus um, just sit around. So it's definitely showed me that you have to take more responsibility for sure. And we'll stay with you, James. Talk about uh, you wrapped up your first semester now as you look towards the next semester. Will your roles expand with this program, or, or what will you do in the next semester? Um, yeah, I, I definitely like um, and any way I could take a leadership role would be awesome um, just to um, take, yeah, for leadership abilities and whatnot um but uh and just stay the core also just to stay the course and um my major as well so just to kind of just be that uh role model very good and we'll come back over here to spencer now uh the application process is now open for people in high school or college freshmen if i understand that right tell us about uh do you recommend somebody apply for this program and if so why should they i definitely recommend it it wasn't too hard there are two short a 250-word essay and a 500-word essay, and those essays related to most of the other scholarships I applied to, and I was able to use the same essay, and it's a big scholarship, and I'd say it's worth it. Very good. That was Spencer from Wood River and James from Grant, Nebraska, here at the Corn and Soybean Annual Meetings in Grand Island, Nebraska. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. <laughs> Good afternoon as we take a look to the market trade. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're being joined by Mark Hendershon with the folks at Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you doing? I am doing very well. We look at the markets today. It looks like the corn's going to hold out to some positive numbers, but barely. Yeah, it's, it's lackluster of news right now. Uh, the biggest news probably came out today was in form of pushed their number back in November from uh, 173.4 to 176.6. So the the, the old adage of uh, big crop keeps getting bigger is continuing to be in play. But the markets had very little very little reaction to that and held positive all day, basically. So that's good. That's a good sign. Is this going to kind of set the tone, you think, for the rest of the week? You know, it's a thinly traded week. A lot of big traders probably aren't even here this week. Yeah, I would say probably. Um, you may see 
You may see some movement late in the week just because there's not much, you know, there's not many people out there to make a big market right now. And so uh, I could see this thing, you know, finishing the week doing nothing or, or, you know, being up a couple, down a couple by by Friday. But, but very little movement, I would bet, by the end of the week. So Earlier today I had a producer describe the soybeans as a struggle bus. It is. It really is. It's you continue to hear more talk about rain in, in parts of the Brazil that's very dry and then, then the ten day forecast in Argentina there's more rain, so you know, rain is always equal to grain. So that's that's not helping. We lost fifty cents last week and we're giving about twelve cents, thirteen, fourteen cents back this week already. We're uh, every contract's below ten dollars now and uh you know, it's 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 a tough scenario right now. Um, guys were looking at ten dollar ten dollar soybeans at the beginning of this month, and and all of a sudden we are uh, we're back in the nines across the whole board. So it's tough. It's been a tough couple weeks, ten days. So, but some positive news: we had one hundred forty-five thousand measure tons of beans going to an unknown destination today. Yeah, and that's pretty. That's pretty standard sale. That's not that's not a big sale. Uh, it's definitely good to see sales like that. We'll see. Uh, tom- well, not tomorrow, but Thursday, how uh, export sales are. But we definitely like to see sales every day. But that's a pretty small sale, and that unknown destination is generally China. But the one thing that Joining us is Mark Hendershaw. He is filling in for John Payne at the folks with the Daniels Ag Marketing. Listening to the World Radio Network.